Now broadcasting from his hidden bunker and fully stocked bar, it is the Saturday Report with Hope Sebastian Taylor. Thank you and welcome once again, my friends, to the Saturday Report with me, Colt Sebastian Taylor, adventurer, entrepreneur, and amateur constitutionalist. And welcome to AWSM Radio, an independent, digital-only radio station that plays today's best music, old-school classics, along with a rotating cast of all-star DJs. AWSM Radio focuses on mainstream artists, independent artists, along with a variety of interesting talk and music shows throughout the day. All we do is entertain, inspire, and inform. And my friends, I want you to be part of the conversation, so follow me on the Twitter, on the Rizzle, on the Instagram, uh, on Cameo, at Colt S. Taylor, and you can uh, subscribe to the podcast version of the show at anchor.fm slash Colt S. Taylor. All right, folks, let's get started with this week's Saturday Report. First up this week, time for me to pull out my old soapbox and dust it off and get, get up on it. To share some opinions. Now, usually, I share you some news stories, offer some commentary. I'm going to share you, uh, briefly talk about a news story, then offer you some opinions on it as well. So, this week, uh, in a uh, amazing breach of privacy and confidentiality at the Supreme Court of the United States, a uh, draft opinion from... Associate Judge Samuel Alito was leaked this week, uh, pretty much calling for the overturning of Roe versus Wade, uh, which was the federal uh, court case that uh, made abortions legal in the United States uh, nationwide, basically taking that decision out of the hands of the states and saying, "Well, you just you can't you can't ban it because it it's a right and whatnot." Uh, well, Samuel Alito, noted arch-conservative, uh, wrote an opinion in February, and from it, it was confirmed as being legitimate, and it basically was the majority opinion of, of at least five of the justices um, saying that Roe versus Wade was wrong, it needs to be overturned, and then uh, to have it kick, it kick it back to the states. Uh, now, I'm not here to tell you whether abortion is right or wrong. That is up to you. I'm not qualified to make those decisions. Okay? Now, if you feel very strongly for it, it's fine. You feel very strongly against it, that's fine too. You're allowed to be, you're allowed not to like something. Okay? That's, that's fine. Okay? What I have a thing about is that this entire process, I believe, is wrong. Everything in this is wrong. Here, here's the thing. This is, has been decided in the 70s, was reaffirmed in the mid-90s, early 90s, and now to call for it to be overturned is an egregious departure from the norm of the Supreme Court. There is such thing called a precedent, okay? Once you decide something, that's decided going on. Now, can they go back and change their minds? Absolutely. Sure. 
Why not? Uh, several uh, uh, law, rulings in the 1840s, 50s, and 60s were overturned in dealing with slaves and whatnot. They were wrong. They realized it was wrong and overturned it. Now, my problem with this is that, you know, obviously, you know, slavery, pretty strong opinions. A lot of people said, oh, not such a great idea. But the majority of Americans across a huge number of different polls do not want it to be, do not want it to be illegal abortions. Okay. Do they like it? No. But do they want it to be an option? Yes. Do they want to tell other people what they should be able to do with their bodies? Yes. Yes, they do. The majority of Americans do not agree with the concept of banning all abortions. Okay? That's just a fact. Sorry to blow your minds there, folks. Just a fact. Okay? Moving along. So, so like I said, this has been decided in the 70s, read from the 90s, and now... Five justices have decided to say, you know what, they're wrong, we should overturn this. Uh, we're not saying make abortion illegal, we're saying this should be decided by the states. This should be decided by the states. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pick apart a few of these arguments here. Now, first off, the Supreme Court, okay, uh, is made up of, uh, I believe, seven, yes, seven people. I would like to note that five of the justices on the Supreme Court were selected by a president that did not win the popular vote of the United States of America. Three by Trump, two by George W. Bush. Okay? Now, if you want to say, you know, the two by George W. Bush, uh, Roberts and Alito were uh, nominated and put on there uh, after he won his second uh, election and got a popular vote win. Fine, fine, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But, you know, he didn't win his first one either. Uh, but the last three, by Donald Trump, did not win the popular vote of the United States. He said, well, hey, cold there. That's, uh, that's the way, you know, that's the way the system works. Okay, sure. Sure. Also, I would like to note that the last three approved, uh, Mr. Gorsh, Mr. Kavanaugh, and Mrs. Uh, Ms. Barrett, 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 Barrett there, uh, by an, a voting, voting for approval of 54, 50, and 52. Uh, so the three, uh, judges, that the last three judges on there, also approved by the Senate, representing less than 50% of the population of the United States of America. Okay? If you look at the 50 senators that approved this, they do not represent 50% of America. Right? They, they represent quite, quite kind, of, kind of a small part. Kind of a small part. But you're saying something, Colt, listen, uh, you know what? The founders of America, they set this system up to be like that. You know? Uh, they knew what they were doing. They knew what they were doing, and this is the way the system worked. Well, you know, I find that argument to be interesting as well. So the founders set up a system that was perfect from the get-go. Except for the part where the women can't vote. Certain members of the population were worth three-fifths of a vote. Uh, let's see here. Sanders were not elected by the people until the early 1900s. 
Fun fact there. They're selected by the states. Fun fact there. And then when the founders put together the government, there was no such concept of political parties. So for me, that sort of argument of like, ah, yeah, yeah, you're just against the system. You're against the founders. No, no. I think the founders of the United States, they certainly got things started okay. But you know what? Things change over time. Women got the right to vote. Uh, there were no more three-fifths compromise. That wasn't a thing anymore. Uh, let's see here. We elect senators by the state, which oddly enough is oddly somewhat of a more reflective part of a state's, the will of a state because it's not gerrymandered, it's by the state. And there's a whole host of other things that are different now than they were in the 1790s. Why? Because we're not in the 1790s. So I find, circling back, the concept that this ruling is fair and just and the will of the people, I that's just not true. That's just not true. That is scientifically and mathematically false. It's the will of some people. It's the will of some people who are very well funded and certainly know how to play in the system. Nothing more or less illegal about anything of this. Is it right? No. Now, I would also argue that a lot of these judges have said, well, you know, Roe versus Wade, that's decided. That's a decided precedent. Well, golly, overturning something isn't really something that uh, I would say is, is the term precedent and whatnot. So I think you could make a decent argument that three of these judges lied under oath to the United States of America. Now, also, also... Just, just just, to circle back here to the outrage, the outrage that this draft was leaked, the sanctity and the legitimacy of the courts has been attacked. I've been hearing from a variety of my right-wing friends. Uh, you know what I think uh, hurt the legitimacy of the Supreme Court? Uh, it's such, it's as such... Such a concern. Such a concern of some people. Uh, you know what I think hurt the legitimacy of the Supreme Court? Uh, I think what hurt was that uh, uh, putting Amy Coney Barrett onto the bench uh, <laughs> on October 27th, 2020, uh, days slash weeks before an election, a national election, whereas uh, when Neil Gorsh, Gorsh was put on the bench, he replaces Scalia, who died uh, earlier in 2016, and the Republicans were like, "Well, you know, we can't put someone on the bench during the during an election year. We should let the people of the United States of America decide the next Supreme Court nominee by having the election. The next president should select." Select the judge, the next judge for the Supreme Court. It's an election year. Ruth Bader Ginsburg passes away. We've got to get a judge on there as soon as possible. The election is coming. We, we, we can't wait. We need to do it right now. Hurry. So 
that sort of legitimacy that certain right-leaning folks are concerned about, I find to be crocodile tears. Crocodile tears. Not to mention, in twenty in, in twenty sixteen, there was a thought going around like, well, listen, uh, Anthony Scalia's died. You know, if Hillary Clinton becomes president, I mean, the Supreme Court doesn't need all the justices. We can wait. I think there's nine. Is there nine? I'm just thinking about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Okay, there's nine. There's nine. Not seven. There's nine. Like, the Supreme Court doesn't need everyone. They can just have eight. Yes. Look it up, folks. Ted Cruz was big on. There was a thought in 2016, if Hillary Clinton won, that they didn't need to approve a Supreme Court nominee for four years. They could leave it at eight seats. They could just do that. So before you decry the legitimacy and oh how political the Supreme Court is, uh, I would I would I would say for you to to look back at those actions. If you are okay with those actions, if you're okay with that being a thing, that being, you know, it's all fair, but it's not right. Okay? It's not good for democracy. If anything, it is anti-democracy. And it's wrong. It was wrong then. It's wrong now. And that sort of wrong, looking the other way, trying to win attitude has brought us to this point of history. This is where we are right now with this uh, Roe versus Wade thing. Okay? And then, and then finally, folks, it's the question of who leaked it. Who leaked it? Oh, it had to be a left-wing, left-wing clerk, a radical. Some moron on Newsmax said it was um, the newest Supreme Court nominee that is replacing uh, Stephen Breyer. That she, she has surely, she has surely leaked it. Uh, Kanjita Brown-Jackson, she leaked it. She doesn't even work there yet. She doesn't even have a staff. She probably doesn't even have a parking space there anymore. There's no way she could leak it. I'll tell you who who leaked it. And, uh, you, and then if I'm right, you owe me a coat. It was Samuel Alito. Someone on him or his staff. Why, you ask? Because he hates Robert uh, Robert uh, Robert uh, Roberts, the Chief Justice Roberts. Why? Because he wanted to be the Chief Justice, but he got bumped because Rehnquist died, and then uh, W put him in charge. He is much more conservative than the rest of the of the uh, panel up there. Uh, Judge Roberts tries to like you know finesse and have consensus. Doesn't like that. He knows five folks. He got five folks to agree with them in February, and now he leaked it to pressure them to stick to their first vote. So, I have no proof, but neither does everyone else, so I might as well throw my hat in the ring. I bet it was him or someone in his office. So, now I've gone on for like 15 minutes about this. So I feel very passionate about it. And, obviously, I haven't talked about anything about abortion because I feel like that is a very personal belief for people, and I don't have any right to tell people how to believe things. That's up to them.
But the process, I'm very much a process person. The process of how we got here is corrupt. It has been corrupted. And the folks that are just looking the other way, they are as much to blame as anyone else. And I'll tell you what, folks, uh, if this does get overturned, do, do you think it's going to stop here? Do you? Sit yourself down. Do, do, you think, do you think it's going to stop with Roe versus Wade? Because it's not. Do you want to be next up on the agenda? Do you want next up that should be, quote-unquote, kicked back to the states? Marriage equality. I'm not talking about uh, marriage for our uh, LGBTQ plus uh, society out there. I'm talking about interracial marriage. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Something that some people feel like should be kicked to the states. You know, interracial marriage was not widely accepted by the majority of America until about the 90s. Okay? And that's been around, now that is a whole lot sooner than the 70s. And marriage equality uh, between same-sex couples, that's even newer, too. That would be coming up next. That should be, you know what, let's kick that to the states. There's nothing in the Constitution about who you can marry. Kick that to the states. Nothing in the, nothing in the Constitution to decide your sexual orientation or what's legal, what's not legal. Kick that to the states. There's some, there's some states that want to re, re-examine Brown versus the Board of Education. Hmm. Do you think, do you think, do you think the population that is pushing for this this hard wants to stop that? They're going to stop there. They're not. They are not. They are going to go back to everything that they don't like or their parents didn't like and try to push it back. They found a winning combination. They found a Supreme Court that is um, open to their point of view. The shadow docket. You know, people just make decisions without even hearing it. Okay? So, things are terrible, in my opinion. The process is broken, and and there needs to be reforms. Again, for those decrying how there shouldn't be any changes, because things are perfect the way they are, there have been changes to the way this government and this country runs itself forever, okay? The way we elect a president today is not the way we elected in eighteen in, in, in 1796 or 1800. That changed after about 15 or 20 years when the folks were like, Ugh, you know what, this was a good idea. We need to fix it. We don't, we don't have state government elect senators anymore. Okay? We don't have a poll tax, although that might come back. That might come back. I think voting rights is in a lot of danger right now. Just, just... Just gonna throw that out there as well. But is all boils down to this process of how the Supreme Court folks were put on there, and that is where we are today. And I am disgusted with it. I have, my friends, muted, unfriended, unfollowed, and occasionally blocked a number of former friends and some family members this week 
due to their overjoy reaction to the upcoming uh, possible overturning of Roe versus Wade, only because I know the next thing they're going to go for is going to be even worse. And I don't want any of that polluting my timeline. So, well, that is almost half an episode of me ranting about this. And I don't think I've ever gone this long on a topic. Certainly not a news topic. And I don't know how many people will hear this. I'm going to guess 8 billion. But it would be irresponsible of me not to have this opportunity to share you, share to you how I feel and give you some information, okay? Nothing, nothing that's going on here is technically illegal. Everything is within the bounds of the playing field. I'm saying the playing field is wrong. And it should be fixed to reflect a audience that benefits the audience watching it. So, uh... Yeah, so, yeah, that's a, that's a solid, almost solid 20 minutes there, folks. You know what I'm, I've only ranted about one other thing for this long, and that's the people at Hyundai. Oh, Hyundai Tucson. Oh, you, I haven't forgotten about you, Hyundai Tucson. Hyundai Tucson, the Supreme Court of Cars. <laughs> folks, I tell you, if there is one thing I think that would fix the Supreme Court, it's having a DJ on there. That's right, my friends. DC. DC for Supreme Court in Washington, DC. But until then, you can listen to him right here on AWSM Radio. Yes, that's the segue, folks. It is seamless here at this well-oiled machine somewhere in my underground bar bunker. Uh, DC is our in-house DJ. And he mixes it up three times a week. I'll tell you about all three here. First up, it's Fridays at 9 p.m. with DC Live in Effect. You do not want to miss out while he smashes it on the ones and twos, kicking the beach from South Florida every week. Then on Saturdays, it is the DC House Party Saturdays, where DC will bring his freestyling DJ to the max, giving you the Miami vibes without having to actually go down to the cesspool that is Florida. Not so much the people there, just the government. Uh, from the top clubs to the bars, DC will bring the party to you Saturdays at 10 p.m. And then finally, once again, it's DC Live in Effect Sundays at 10 p.m. And you'll, you can get you can get DC on Sunday. So it's DC, Fridays at 9, Saturdays at 10, Sundays at 10, DC Live in Effect, DC House Party Saturdays, and then DC Live in Effect again only, my friends, right here on AWSM Radio. Moving on to the world of comedy, my friends. Uh, Dave Chappelle was attacked this week. Uh, he was doing a performance when somebody uh, ran on the stage and tackled him. Uh, came out later that he had a replica gun on him that could also discharge a knife blade. So kind of like a, I guess a switchblade that looks like a gun, I guess, is uh, what what that is. Uh, so that was pretty serious. Uh, Howie Mandel was on a recent show, uh, actually not a recent show, a show after this incident this week, and said he's afraid to perform, uh, perform live because of these incidents between that and then Will Smith slapping Chris Rock. Uh, I mean, Howie Mandel has a 
some other mental health issues there with anxiety and depression, but he just does not want to do it. He says, uh, quote, on a episode of uh, BS with extras Billy Bush, watching what happened to Dave last night confirmed my fear. I was watching it kind of live on Twitter and then turned to my wife and said, I don't want to. I don't want to go on stage again. I'm just really afraid. My biggest fear 40 years ago was not getting a laugh was somebody not liking what I said and maybe somebody being offended and confronting me outside. You know, the jokes that were really offensive. Then cancel culture came along and I was like, oh my God, if someone doesn't like your joke or you overstep the line, you could lose your career. Uh, he continued, after then, after the Academy Awards, I said violence triggers violence. And this is one step that kind of opens the door and triggers somebody that if they don't like what you're saying or offended by what you're saying, now it's kind of okay because it's it's been done to be violent. And that's what my fear was. And I don't disagree with him. I mean, this is... I'm not surprised at all that after the Will Smith thing that this would start happening. Now, lots of people don't like Dave Chappelle, okay? He has some problematic uh, jokes, so to speak. He is not a fan of the trans community. I don't agree with what he has to say. However, despite that, running on stage with a gun that can shoot out a knife is not how you address a comedy that you don't like, okay? That's... That's just not how you should do it. And unfortunately, I think we're going to see more of this. Is it Will Smith's fault that this guy did this? No, he did not send that guy up there to take down Dave Chappelle. Uh, did Will Smith's incident on national TV on a national event like that open the door for folks to say, well, if Will Smith can do it, I can do it. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Maybe it did. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I, I, uh, you know, I do live performances. I have to say I'm, I can be occasionally a little concerned that things might be a bit too much. People are wound pretty tight post-pandemic. Uh, People feel like they have a right to do a variety of things and get into your face and let their, let their First Amendment be known. But you can't, you can't, like, y you leave. You don't like a joke. You leave. If you really don't like a little joke, then you can organize a protest. That's what plenty of people do. That's what people have been doing for decades. Protest comedians. And I made them, I also don't agree with this concept of cancel culture. Uh, cancel culture is capitalism. Okay? There are plenty of people out there that uh, have not been canceled because other people make plenty of money off of them. So... It's not so much a thing where they're just trying to cancel, but no, you know, you you have upset a segment of the population that can impact the financial bottom lines of other people, and they realize you are now a liability. That's just what cancel culture is. Okay, that's it's 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 you know it's profits it's profit margins profit mar cancel culture sounds really good. Now, a lot of people make a lot of money after off of cancel culture. Uh, I do notice that people who decry cancel culture the most seem to want to cancel a lot of things. But that's different because those are things they don't like. But anyways, anyways, I digress. Uh, yeah, so 
Uh, Dave Chappelle attacked. We're going to see other comedians attacked, maybe. Will someone take a swing at me? Maybe. Although, unlike Dave Chappelle or Chris Rock, I don't have anything to fall back on. So, uh, once that happens, I will uh, tip my hat and say goodnight and pick a new hobby than this. But until then, I think I could, I feel like I can read the room pretty well, too. I don't go out to insult people. But, uh, anyways, Harry Mandel, concerned about, uh, concerned about performing. Dave Chappelle, attacked by a guy who got pretty messed up. Chris Rock, cheek, no longer red or swollen. Moving along to sports, Phil Mickelson, famed golfer. Uh, if you follow golf, which I do not, but I do know who Phil Mickelson is. He's also in a lot of commercials, a lot of commercials with his kind of a very creepy face. But he does a lot of endorsements, and he plays a lot of golf. And he has upset a lot of fans and endorsements uh, by wanting to cash in on the uh, Live Golf Tour. Live D Golf Golf Tour. L-I-V. L-I-V. I don't know if it's Live or Live Golf Tour. And uh, a lot of people are like, well, why, is he, why is he doing all these endorsements and trying to make all this money? Well, apparently, to an unauthorized biography called Phil... The Rip Roaring and Unauthorized Biography of Golf's Most Colorful Superstar. Uh, apparently, between 2010 and 2014, he lost $40 million. $40 million. He lost $40 million in four years. Between gambling and extravagant, extravagant purchases, like a T-Rex skull, apparently. And, uh... A plane, some houses, plus an entourage of trainers, chefs, pilots, caddies, agent, swinging coaches, other things. Other things. And uh, he lost a ton of money. A $40 million in four years. So, you know, he obviously is making almost that much money. You just, once, you, once you're like $2 million in a red, unless you're like you're, you're a Trump... People tend to notice. So he's making at least $10 million a year and spending at least $10 million a year between those several years. So it's likely he is trying to catch in all this thing because he just spends money as soon as he makes it. As soon as he makes it, which is crazy, crazy, crazy. Now, a lot of this comes from his longtime caddy, Jim Bones McKay, who um, split up. In 2017, uh, Bones uh, had fired Phil at the 17 Memorial uh, over a series of simmering grievances, including hundreds of thousands of dollars of overdue back pay. And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is just the latest in his saga. Uh, he's the reigning PGA Championship winner, um, but he has uh, sort of zipped back up from the public eye uh, after him coming out. He's going to do this uh, this event, which is backed by Saudi Arabia, which, you know, after the killing of the journalist, a lot of people say you should be going to Saudi Arabia. But since it's a ton of money, he wants to do it. He wants to do it. In fact, there is a concern in the PGA that he might miss his title defense to make money elsewhere because he is so deeply in debt. And I have to tell you what, I am not a fan of Phil Mickelson. I don't follow golf, 
but I don't like that guy. I don't like his commercials. I don't like when he talks. I think he's, he's, he looks, he looks stupid. Not a fan. I'm not a fan, so, um, I, I wish I had that money. If Phil Mick, if Phil Mickelson wants to buy me and me to sing his praises, I, hey, a paltry $5 million. That is six months worth of expenses for you for a lifetime of praise for me, Colt Sebastian Taylor. You make terrible business decisions. Why not make a terrible business decision, business decision on me? It's a win-win for everyone. Speaking of sports, I usually do this last, but I'm, I'm switching up this week because I just talked about sports. Uh, AWSM Radio has your sports needs satisfied Wednesday nights here on the channel. At 9 p.m., it's To the Rack with Mac. Uh, it is your go-to spot for all things basketball, so you can join NBA expert Mac Daddy as he brings you a full hour of high-flying hoops expertise for all things NBA, you want to turn into the you want to tune in to to the rack with Mac Wednesdays at nine PM and then stick around because at ten PM you're gonna be saying to yourself, What's going on? And what's going on is our Fox affiliate show providing listeners with over hundred and fifty combined years of sports knowledge, hosted by the great Nate Brown and his crew from Western New York. They've been killing it there for two decades, but now, my friends, they're going national, and we've got them right here on AWSM Radio. It's what's going on at 10 p.m. So just to recap, for your sports needs, it's To The Rack With Mac at 9 p.m. What's going on at 10 p.m. Wednesday nights right here on AWSM Radio. Moving along, folks, to Baby Formula. Yes, Baby Formula. There is a baby formula shortage in the United States of America. That's right. Uh, about 40%, 40% of the top-selling baby formula products were out of stock uh, in the last few weeks. And that has jumped from 11% from last November. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Uh, the actual national out stock levels are, are sort of uh, waffling between thirty one and forty percent, but it's now up to forty percent. And obviously, you know, something is not available. Joe Biden's fault. I'm sure. I'm sure folks are I'm sure the National Review or the Federalist are quickly typing up um, as many as many uh, email fundraising emails as possible on this. But actually. Actually, uh, the problem is, uh, of course, uh, supply chain issues. Uh, there are problems getting ingredients. There are packaging issues. Uh, there are uh, transportation shortages. There are labor shortages. Uh, also, there was a major recall in January that recalled a bunch of baby formula that was getting, getting children sick. So the combination of those things has led to shortages. And once people see shortages, they start hoarding, hoarding, which only exasperates shortages, much like the toilet paper run of 2020, of March 2020. Uh, so a lot of stores are putting limits in place, uh, only letting people buy uh, three or four things of baby formula at a time, trying to rationing it out a bit to everyone so everyone has an opportunity to get. And um, they are asking people not to hoard not to hoard their uh, baby formula. 
Okay, now about seventy five percent of babies get baby formula in the six the first six months of their life, which is uh you know that's a lot that's a lot. Uh, so they're trying to make up for their shortages, come up with some alternatives so that they get the um, nutrients that they need. Uh, the Infant Nutrition Council of America, which is a thing apparently, um, I there's so many councils out there. I feel like I should be on a council. I should be on a council somewhere. I mean, I have lots of expertise. Lots of expertise. I could. I could. I could I could be I could be on four councils right now, no problem. Well, anyways, they uh they issued a statement uh, assuring parents that uh, manufacturers are increasing production to meet the needs of the family, and they also encourage parents to keep a ten day to two week supply just in case there is a shortage in their area, but not to stockpile products. As such, because of the shortage, prices have all also bumped up a bit. Supply and demand, uh. Prices have also gone up about ten to twenty percent, depending on the brand. So, uh, you know, there was a lumber shortage; things bounced up, increased productions, and then things came down again. This is just another one of those things that, uh, as we slowly get back to a post-pandemic world and things get into back into humming, that we're gonna experience these weird shortages in different things. And right now, it's baby formula. Right, so if you got a baby. You may want to make sure you have a two-week supply just in case there's a shortage in your area. But don't hoard, because that's why there's shortages. Let let the manufacturers give them some time to catch up. Friends, speaking of waiting to catch up, sometimes you can't catch up and you're stuck. You're stuck in traffic, and when you are, well, my friends, you need to be listening to my pal Rocks. That's right, the Rock Sessions. Uh, is a drive-time show here we have on AWSM Radio, making sure your evening commute home is fun, featuring the hottest music on the charts and some other surprises in between. She will make it rock, rock style, Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. to 7 p.m., right here on AWSM Radio. Listen to the rock sessions. Tell her that Colt Sebastian Taylor sent you. Uh, it, you won't get anything, but it'll be funny. If she specifically says to me to stop saying that, so people stop bothering her, because that'd be that'd be hilarious. So, anyways, the rock sessions Monday through Friday, five p.m. to seven p.m. right here on AWSM Radio. Well, my friends, that just about wraps up this week's Saturday report with me, Colt Sebastian Taylor. Thank you for thank you so much for joining me here today. Hope you enjoyed yourself as much as I have. I don't usually rant that long at the beginning of the show, but I felt the need to. So thank you for humoring me. Remember, you can find me on the Twitter, on the Instagram. Uh, not so much on the Rizzle anymore. I'm kind of, kind of off of that, but mostly on Twitter. Uh, also on Cameo at Colt S. Taylor. And listen to the podcast version of the show. Usually uploaded on Sundays, so you should subscribe in case you miss it. Uh, at anchor.fm slash Colt S. Taylor. And of course... Of course, bookmark ColtSebastianTaylor.com. Until next time, my fantastic friends, I am, of course, your friend, your Dungeons & Dragons swashbuckler redhead, Colt Sebastian Taylor, and I will see you later.